Chapter 8 of Stories of the Wars of the Jews by Charlotte Maria Tucker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. Chapter 8 Victories of Judas Maccabeus. Rising of the Jews, Martyrs to the Law, Apollonius defeated, Ceron defeated, Lysias defeated, the Temple cleansed. Death of Epiphanes, Siege of Bethsura, Exploit of Eleazar, The Temple Besieged. The noble family of the Asmoneans, so called from Asmoneus, one of its ancestors, was amongst the most distinguished in Judea, and dwelt at this period in the town of Modin. At the head of this family was Mattathias, the father of five noble sons, Joannan, Simon, Eleazar, Jonathan, and the illustrious Judas, surnamed Maccabeus. Deeply did Mattathias mourn over the oppression of his people and the desecration of the altar of his god, and he heard with emotions of indignation that the king's officers had come to his own town to compel all to sacrifice to the gods of the heathen. Mattathias being a person of great influence, the emissaries of Antiochus spared no pains to induce him, by many promises, to give an example of submission. But the brave old Jew answered with a loud voice, Though all the nations that are under the king's dominion obey him, and fall away every one from the religion of his fathers, yet will I and my sons walk in the covenant. God forbid that we should forsake the law and the ordinances. We will not hearken to the king's words, to go either to the right hand or the left. When Mattathias had concluded his declaration, there came a renegade Jew in the sight of all to sacrifice at the altar of Modin. Filled with indignation and inflamed with zeal, Mattathias, like another Phineas, rushed forward and slew him on the altar. Then, turning on the commissioner, him he also slew, and pulled down the altar to the ground. This was indeed drawing the sword and throwing away the scabbard. Mattathias exclaimed, who is zealous for the law and maintaineth the covenant, let him follow me. And leaving all that he possessed, he fled into the mountains with his sons, where they were joined by numbers of the faithful and brave, who were ready like themselves to yield up their lives rather than their faith. A touching example of obedience to the law of God was given by a large band of Jews who, with their wives and little ones, had tied into the wilderness to escape the persecutions of the king. The fugitives were pursued, and the forces of Antiochus came up to them at a place where they had taken refuge in a cave. Philip, the leader of the soldiers, endeavoured to induce the Jews to come forth and make submission, but this they firmly refused to do. He then attacked them, and the day being the Sabbath, the Jews, scrupulously observant of the law which commands that day to be kept holy, neither stopped up the mouth of their cave, nor raised a weapon against their foes. Let us die all in our innocence, they exclaimed. And thus all, men, women and children, were slain unresisting by the Syrians. Mattathias and his followers were greatly grieved on receiving tidings of this cruel massacre. In full debate, after due deliberation, they came to the decision that self-defence is lawful on the Sabbath, and that, if attacked by the foe on that day, they would fight for their lives and their laws. Mattathias and the brave Jews whom he had gathered around him, now leaving their fastnesses in the mountains, went to various cities of Judea, throwing down the idol altars and driving the enemy before them. 
but the aged hero was soon worn out by the fatigues of warfare. He felt that the time of his departure was drawing nigh, and gathering his five sons around him, Mattathias gave them his dying exhortation. He reminded them of the saints of old, whose faith had been crowned with success. He bade them give their lives for the covenant of God, and remember that they who trusted in him never should be overcome. He appointed Judas, his third son, to be the leader, and Simon the counsellor of the patriots. And so, bestowing on his children his parting blessing, Mattathias yielded up his soul to his God. Truly, the hoary head is a crown of glory when it is found in the way of righteousness. Then Judas called Maccabeus from the motto on his standard, Who is like unto thee amongst the gods, O Jehovah? The initials of which in Hebrew form the word of Maccabee succeeded to the authority of his father. There appear to have been no petty jealousies between the noble sons of a glorious sire. They were united by a better tie than even that of blood, fellowship in a holy cause. Judas proved himself a bold and able commander, a hero treading in the steps of Joshua, Gideon and David. With a force not exceeding 6,000 men, he took the field against the large, well-disciplined armies of Antiochus, commanded by warriors of renown. His first great triumph was gained over Apollonius, who soared the victor war to the end of his life. Judas then made head against Siron, a prince of Syria, who came to attack him with a mighty host. Maccabeus was then commanding a mere handful of men, and some of his companions, disheartened at the fearful disparity of numbers, came to their chief and said, how shall we be able, being so few, to fight against so great a multitude and so strong, seeing we are ready to faint with fasting? With the God of heaven, replied the hero, it is all one to deliver with a great multitude or a small company. For the victory standeth not in the multitude of a host, but strength cometh from heaven. We fight for our laws and our lives. Wherefore the Lord himself will overthrow these men before our face. The result of the battle was the complete triumph of the Jews who overcame and pursued their enemies. This victory made the name of Judas renowned through all the neighbouring states, and it was speedily followed by others. Army after army was sent against him, and fled in broken masses before the conquering sword of him who trusted in the strength of the Omnipotent. One of these engagements was with Lysias, a nobleman who acted as regent of Syria during the absence of its king. Lysias, with a force of 65,000 choice infantry and 5,000 horsemen, was met by Judas Maccabeus at the head of 10,000 men. When the Jewish leader beheld the immense host before him, before he closed in battle, he had recourse to the powerful weapon of prayer. Blessed art thou, O Saviour of Israel, he cried, who didst quell the violence of the mighty man by the hand of thy servant David, and gave us the host of strangers into the hands of Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor-bearer. Shut up this army in the hand of thy people Israel, and let them be confounded in their power. Cast them down with the sword of them that love thee, and let all that know thy name praise thee with thanksgiving. The supplications of Judas were heard. The Lord God of Israel fought for his people, and the vast Syrian host fled in confusion before them. Then said Judas and his brethren, Behold, our enemies are discomfited. Let us go up to cleanse and dedicate the sanctuary. 
With what joy and thanksgiving must the valiant deliverers have been welcomed in Jerusalem, which they had freed from the oppressor. Judas and his band of heroes proceeded at once to the temple. But when they saw the sanctuary desolate, the altar profaned, the gates burned down, and the herbage grown in the courts, once trod by the feet of so many worshippers, they rent their clothes and cast ashes on their heads and fell with their faces to the ground. But Judas, like Nehemiah, did not content himself with lamentations over the desolation which he saw. He zealously set himself to repair and to reform. He chose priests of blameless lives to cleanse the polluted sanctuary, pull down the altar which the heathen had profaned, and build up another in its place. He also appointed warriors to fight against the Syrian garrison, which still held a fortress which had been erected by Apollonius to overlook the temple. New holy vessels were made for the sanctuary, the lamps again were lighted and sacrifices offered, and, with joy and exultation, songs of praise and the music of harps and cymbals, the conquerors returned thanks for the victory in the temple of the Lord of hosts. By the command of Judas Maccabeus, high walls strengthened with towers were raised around the sacred building to protect it from future attack, and a garrison was appointed to guard it. 164 BC. When Antiochus, who was on his way from Ecbatana to Babylonia, heard how the Jews had defeated Lysias, recovered the temple of Jerusalem, pulled down his idols, thrown their altars to the ground, and restored the pure worship of Jehovah, he was enraged to the utmost pitch of fury. He commanded his charioteer to double his speed, that he might the sooner arrive in Judea to execute a fearful revenge. He threatened to make Jerusalem one vast grave for the nation that had dared to defy his power. But the tyrant's hour was come. He was now, according to the prophetic words of the young martyr whom he had slain, to receive the just punishment of his pride. Antiochus Epiphanes was smitten with a most horrible and loathsome disease. Yet, hatred struggling against physical pain, he endeavoured to pursue his course, till his chariot being overturned, the king was so sorely injured by the fall that it was necessary to carry him in a letter to Tabau, a town on the confines of Persia and Babylonia. Here the miserable tyrant endured tortures more intolerable than any that he himself had inflicted, and was forced openly to acknowledge them to be God's retribution for his impiety and cruelty. His reason at length gave way beneath them, spectres appeared to haunt him, and this enemy of God and of his people expired at length in the greatest agonies both of body and mind. Meanwhile, Judas gained victory after victory. He defeated the people of Edom, Ben and Ammon, took Gezer with the towns belonging to it, won a great triumph over a vast host under a leader named Timotheus, and subdued the cities of the country of Galad. He smote Hebron and passed through Samaria, turned to Azotus in the land of the Philistines, and when he had levelled their altars and burned their carved images with fire, he returned back in triumph to Judea. Antiochus had been succeeded by his son of the same name, to which was added that of Eupater. The king being too young to assume the reins of power, Lysias took the government into his own hands. The regent raised an enormous army to crush the forces of Judas. A hundred thousand foot soldiers, twenty thousand horse, 
Thirty war elephants and three hundred chariots were gathered together and headed by the young monarch in person who laid siege to the town of Bessura. Judas collected his forces, far inferior in number to those of the enemy, and falling upon the Syrians by night, put the camp into confusion, and retreated on break of day without suffering loss by his bold exploit, while many of the enemy were slain. When the rising sun shed its full light on the glittering ranks of the host of Antiochus, the opposing armies closed in fierce battle. In the fight, Eleazar, a brother of Judas, sacrificed his life in a desperate attempt to kill the young king of Syria. Seeing an immense elephant adorned with gorgeous harness, and supposing that the monarch himself must be upon it, Eleazar furiously fought his way up to the spot, slaying all who opposed him, and thrusting his weapon into the elephant, was crushed to death by its fall. The Jews, perhaps discouraged by the loss of Eleazar, fell back before their overwhelming hosts of Syria, and made good their retreat to Jerusalem. Bethsura then surrendered to Lysias, but upon honourable conditions. From thence Antiochus Eupater marched to Jerusalem, where he laid siege to the sanctuary, which Judas, as before related, had fortified in case of attack. The Jews were now in extreme peril, those who defended the temple being in the utmost distress for want of provisions. Instruments for casting stones, darts and slings and other formidable weapons of war were brought against the handful of men who made their desperate stand within the wall which had been raised to guard the temple. Famine stared them in the face and their only alternative seemed to be to perish by hunger or the sword. But man's extremity is God's opportunity. Lysias received tidings that Philip, a favourite of the late king, and appointed by him guardian of his successor, had seized upon Antioch and set up his own power in opposition to that of the regent. Lysias found it necessary at once to make peace with the Jews, that he might be at liberty to march himself against this dangerous rival. He therefore proposed honourable and advantageous terms which were accepted by Judas. The hero was recognised both by the king and the regent as the ruler of Judea, and from this period is dated the commencement of the Asmonean dynasty, which for 126 years held sway over the Jewish people, 163 BC. The treaty between Antiochus and Judas Maccabeus, having been ratified by oath, the king and Lysias were admitted into the stronghold which had been so bravely defended. But seeing the strength of the fortification, they, contrary to stipulation, pulled down and destroyed the wall before departing for Syria. Menelaus, the treacherous high priest, had accompanied Lysias in his expedition against Jerusalem, probably in hope of being restored to his office by the enemies of his people. But divine vengeance at length overtook this traitor to his country and his god. Menelaus lost favour with those whom he had served at the price of conscience. They became the instruments of his just punishment. He was, by the royal command, cast headlong from a high tower into ashes, where the renegade miserably perished. Contemporaneous events Macedon made a province of Rome, 168 BC. The first library erected at Rome, 168 BC. End of chapter 8